0: Good morning, church. Happy Christmas season. Um, So thankful this morning to be able to come and uh, worship the Lord with you. There's something special that cannot be attained anywhere else but in community. It's worship. Um, It's community. You can't recreate that in your prayer closet. Prayer closet. You can't recreate that at home. Um, so it's special when we get to come together. I think it's special when we decorate for Christmas. I think it's special. Um, and you can sense that. Um, I know that the Holy Spirit is so creative. I know that God is the God of beauty and art and music and dancing. Um, and that he, he glories in that And he glories in our worship. So um, today, I'm going to invite you to stand up. Stand up. Let's shake it out. Let's get ready to worship the King of Kings. Um, Overwhelmed this week that he came. I'm going to be saying this every week. He came. That's what Christmas is about. He came for me. And he came for you. Not for some perfected version of ourselves. But while we were still sinners, he came. He came. And he died for us, the weak and the poor and the the lowly. He came. So let's just worship him this morning. Let's give him all the glory and the honor and the praise that is due him this morning.
1: All right, guys, we're going to do a call to worship out of Psalm 111. I'm just going to read this. It'll be on the screen. You don't have to read it with me, but just let it sink into our hearts today as we prepare to worship Him. It says this, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great. Church, the works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. So, Lord, we worship You today. Lord, we thank you that you are full of compassion. We thank you, Lord, that you do marvelous and wonderful works. We thank you, Lord, that you are honorable and glorious. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are great and greatly to be praised. So on this first Sunday in December, Lord, we just come before you, worshiping you, thanking you. Jesus, we thank you for coming for each and every one of us. And we remember that today and we worship you forward. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.
0: Church, as we come forward today and we receive the elements of the communion table, um, you're going to pick up your elements and you're going to circle back to your seats. The plate in the middle is gluten-free. As we do that, we are partaking of the goodness of God. We're partaking of his death and his burial and his resurrection. Actually, I'm going to start that again. We're partaking of his suffering, of his death, of his burial, and of his resurrection. We're partaking of the goodness of God, for God so loved. We're partaking of the love of God. Um, I was in my mid-30s, it was like 15 years ago, when I learned this lesson from a Kenneth Hagin book in the midst of, um, I had two miscarriages right in a row and I was struggling and I was so angry and I was angry mostly at myself because my, that was always, has been in the past, my um, punching bag of choice. Um, and uh, I was angry at God and I was talking to a really good friend of mine, Bree Monday, some of you know her and she's just like, "Liz, what about the enemy? What about the enemy?" Because God is good and I was I I got a hold of this Kenneth Hagin book and it just it was it was like, "How did I not know that evil comes from the evil one and good comes from a good good father?" How did I not know? Um, how did I not know? So when we sing that song, you know, "Let the king of my heart" Be the wind inside my sails. So he's the wind. He's the power. I'm just the sail, baby. I'm just the sail, just waiting for the wind. It's his power. It's not how good I am. It's not. It's not how good I do. It's not what I accomplish. It's not my good reputation. Is for my kids. It's not their good grades. They get great grades, and I'm proud of their hard work. But that's not it. It's he is the power. His love. And his goodness is everlasting. Last week, if you were here, as I was sharing the word, it's like, well, why do, why do awful things happen in this world then? If God is good, then why do, these awful, why do awful things happen in this world? Because there's an evil one. There's an evil one. And he is, um, gosh, he's intentional with his evil. And that's what makes him so awful. And the last thing I'm going to say before we have communion is our precious Kara, if you don't know Kara, she's our assistant here at the church. She had her appendix out on Thanksgiving Day. And um, I talked to her on the phone like Wednesday, the following Wednesday, and she was just like, yeah, I'm finally getting on my feet. And and I said, well, Kara, you did lose a part of your body. So I guess six days isn't too much, you know, for your body to recover. But I was thinking about that as we were worshiping, and you know, a doctor goes in and he it's at his hand that pain is caused. I mean, she was, you know, sliced open, and there's suffering in that. But we always thank the doctor. God is, if you belong to Jesus, he's always at work in your life. So that, that doesn't, it doesn't negate what the evil one will try to do. It doesn't say that bad things won't happen, right? So God didn't make her appendix almost burst, but he did send skilled hands of a doctor And then we thank the doctor. Can we thank God today? Can we thank God when he goes in like a skilled surgeon and he begins to touch things in our lives that cause pain? And so often in my life, I'm like, why are you doing this? Where are you? Why did my cat get hit by a car and die? Where were you? I'm not joking. I was super upset about that. It's like, where were you? And he whispered to my heart, I'm not your enemy. I'm here I'm grieving with you. Your heart matters to me. And so the following Sunday with the cat, we went out and we walked Dutch Road up and down. And we 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 reminded the devil, we said, I think you were confused. It's not only our home and where the grass starts that you cannot come, it is also the road. And it's this neighbor and it's this neighbor and it's this neighbor. And we began to just take authority on Dutch Road from this this way to this way and just began to pray and stand against the devil. But we don't stay there because he's not worth spending a whole lot of time on. You just stand in authority and then you go on. You go on in victory. But church, God is good and his love for us is unending. Unending. And any example of him that you've seen in this earth that wasn't good wasn't God. All right? Not every doctor I've been to has been a good doctor, but I don't disregard all doctors. You understand, I don't disregard medicine because of many bad doctors. So God is good and he's faithful. He never changes. And this morning, as we come and take communion, as a community of believers, we partake of that unending goodness of God this morning. So you can stand, you can come down the center aisle, you'll come directly at the table and then circle back around to your seats um, and then hold on to those elements. Pastor Jason's gonna come up and we'll partake of communion together this morning. All right, church, let's just close our eyes and pray. Father, we just invite you into this space, into our hearts, God, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. Father, that we're living and breathing, that we walk in safety, Father, for our homes, our families, as imperfect as they are and as imperfect as we are, God, you are with us You love us, Father, in our humanity and in our weakness, God. You are safe, Father. And so we sit in your presence, God, and we can invite you in. And we can eat with you. Father, I ask that you would work in our hearts this morning, God, continue the work, begin a new work. Father, and for those of us who are in the middle of a deep work, Father, I pray that you would show yourself strong on their behalf, God, that they would know that you are in it, that you are for them, that you are working, that they are not abandoned, that they are not worthless, they are not alone, that they are loved and held And in process, Father, I thank you that you don't despise us in the process. Father, so we just invite you. We invite your Holy Spirit to rest on us, to live in us, to be our helper, to be our guide. As we examine our hearts, as we lay down our lives, We invite you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Lord. What a representation of His goodness and love for us to lay down His life, His body broken, His blood shed, for us to pay the price, the ultimate price for our sins, for our forgiveness. Jesus, we thank you for it today. And as we partake of these elements today, we remember how good you really, really are. Mm. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks, he broke, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and faithfulness to us. Lord, you are truly a good, good God. We worship you, we praise you, and we honor you, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the praise in your precious name. Church, stand with me. We're going to continue to worship the Lord, and the altars are open.
0: Church, we sang that verse over and over and over again. Because shame is this thing, this diabolical thing, this, this identity. Shame is an identity that comes and it takes its place where it doesn't belong. And it's rooted and it's grounded in lies in false perceptions, often of childhood. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I've spent enough time with, with them to know. And what I want you to know this morning is that, so um, God did a work in me, and I have this, this picture in my head of Back to the Future with the plutonium, and he needed the special handle things in that rod of plutonium, and he put it in the flex capacitor very carefully or whatever and he like had to drop it in and what shame is is it's this core this circular I see it as the cylinder that slides into your core identity and the reason why I struggled with it for so long is because I'm all about truth But it is true that I say things I shouldn't. It is true that sometimes I go to extremes. It is true there is something wrong. Shame says there's something wrong with you. Not that you've done something bad, but that you are bad. That's what shame is. Okay, shame does not say that you've done something bad. It is that you are bad. And that's why it's a prison, because you can't do anything about it. That's the lie of the shame. You can't fix this. This is just who you are. You are bad. Everyone says God loves you. You can worship you and pretend like God loves you. You can try to believe that God loves you, but it's that's not actually for you. And it doesn't say that out loud because then we could fight, we could fight that, but it's just this it's it's on the inside. And so I would always try to put on love. I'd always try to just put on God's love. Just put it on week after week. All my good works, which weren't very many. <laughs> but whatever I could muster up, right? I just try to try to be a good person. If I could just be as good as Jason. If I could just be as good as Jason, you know, or Jesus. They're just neck and neck. <laughs> oh, what an adoring wife I am. I'm not lying. If I could just be as good as Jason, and I try to put on goodness, and I try to put on love, and it never worked for decades, for decades, and God did something. This expert surgeon, he did something. And there was suffering involved. There were there were days of darkness where I wrestled to hold on to faith um, in God, in his word. The only thing that hasn't changed, that doesn't change with the times is his word. He's faithful and I held on to that and he did a work in me. And what happened was, is in a moment I saw, it's like I saw the lies and I just, I saw them for what they were and once I saw it I couldn't unsee it and that that shame was removed, and in it went this identity of I'm loved, and it was not something I put on. It's something that is in my core. It's I am loved, period. There's no because, and that's what I just didn't get. I'm, I, had, I needed a reason. There is, you can't wrap your head around the reason. God loves you, period, not because. There's no because. It's not even because he's good that he loves you. I mean, I'm sure that's something to do with it, but he loves you because you are loved, because you are his, because he created you to be loved by him, period. And once that work was done, everything changed. Everything changed in my life because you operate out of your identity, whether you know it or not, it's not a conscious thing, it's a subconscious thing, you operate out of your identity. So, church, if you have struggled with shame, get with the Lord and ask him to do a work in your inmost being. You are not—there is not something wrong with you. You were not created bad. You are not excluded from the love of God. You are included. Shame is shattered at the foot of the cross. And this isn't something that you intellectually can put on the love of God it's a revelation. It's a revelation of the love of God, which is why we then sing that he is worthy. He's the only one that is worthy. And, and then you just walk in freedom. When you're loved, you walk in freedom because you don't have to be good, but goodness does come. It comes easier because out of love flows good things, God things. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for this time of worship. I thank you that you are the great physician, that you are doing work in our hearts, and our minds, in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that your word would be rooted and grounded in our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray that we would be rooted and grounded in your love, unshakable. Father I pray against every lie that the enemy has laid track for I pray against every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus Father mm, Father I pray that you would begin to do the skillful work of the master and that you would begin to bring freedom in the hearts and the minds of your people Father, that we would be saved again and again and again and again, that we would be set apart for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that a great revelation of your love as identity would be in this congregation today in Jesus' name. And that testimonies of new thoughts and of new patterns and of new identity and of new freedom would come. Father, by your hand, by the work of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
1: Just want to end this time of worship reading a scripture out of Philippians 2. Says, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise you, Lord. Amen and amen.
0: All right, church, we're going to take a few minutes to take care of the logistical things of the service. Um, before we come back together to hear the word. Um, During our break, uh, if you are a guest here, we welcome you. Um, We're always thankful to worship the Lord with new people, um, with all the people who want to worship him. Um, Heaven is going to be awesome. If this is your first time here, on the back of your seat, there's a connection card. You can put your name and an email address, and we'll send you a welcome email. It'll connect you with information about our church. Um, There's also information about the church out in the lobby at the Column. There's little rack cards um, that will give you information about us. Um, On that same card, if you have a prayer request or a praise report or testimony, that's where you can write that, church, family, visitors, whoever. And that card will come up during the break into these beautiful gray buckets up here. These are our tithe and offering buckets. Um, Bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. Trust him with your heart. Trust him with your finances. Trust him with your relationships. That's where I, that's that. I mean, God, take all my money, but let me be in charge of my relationships because I don't, I don't want to have to do it the, like, you know, it's easier for me to trust God with my money than it is with my relationships. That's all I'm saying. So we all have our areas, but bring your tithes and offerings up with joy. Um, and then also, if you have kids, nursery's open, ages zero to three. Littles Ministry, ages four, five, and six. Family room is open uh, for parents to hang with their kids during the sermon if kids need a little more space to make a little bit more noise. Um, and then Kid Corner. ECF kids, you know the drill. If you have a child and you're a guest and your child is over age seven, kid corner. I'll be over there and I'll get you hooked up with a little bag of stuff for them to do during the sermon. Did I hit everything? All right, let's take about eight minutes, do all that fun stuff, and then we'll come back together. All right, church family, tuck it in, find a seat. Wheel back to your seats a little bit. All right. Um, A couple announcements uh, before we have Pastor Jason come on up. Wait a second. Pastor Jason, are you coming up? Offering. Okay. Um, I'm a logistical master. You can see. I'm a real performer. Uh, (laughs) Announcements. Women to Women is Wednesday. Okay. Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Maureen's house. Is that this Wednesday? No, that's the second and fourth Wednesday evening. They meet at Maureen's house. Um, That's Maureen and her daughter, Joanna. Women to women, I mean, it's awesome. If you are a woman and you are struggling, those are the two you wanna see. They will pray for you. They will lay hands on you. They will listen to your heart. They will nurture you and they are rooted and grounded in God's word and in power. So women to women, second and fourth Wednesday evenings at Maureen's house. If you don't have the address, um, we don't post it up there um, because then all the guys would wanna come. So we keep the address secret from them, Uh, but you can email, um, you can email ecf at ecfchurch.org for the address. Um, Also, the Carter Life Group, they are meeting on Tuesday, December 5th at 6.30 p.m. There's Chet and Jane, Um, first and third Tuesdays. So if you are interested in spending time with fun people who are real and super nurturing because that's Jane. Jane is the super nurturing one. Chet is the real one. They're both real. And I'm sure Chet is nurturing. He just gave me a hug this morning in the kitchen. They're both nurturing and both fun. And there they are. Um, If if you are interested in spending time with people like that and and getting into the Word, this is where you want to be. First and third Tuesdays at 6.30. I'm not promising that Jane will bake something, but there's a high probability. One, it's December. And two, she bakes for everyone all the time. So you'll probably get some baked goods. I'm not promising because she didn't say that she would do that, but I think she might. Um, So that's that life group. The final announcement, (laughs) get me down from here. I don't know what's gotten into me today, I'll be honest. Um, I've been very stressed this week, so it's like, huh, preach. Um, worship and prayer is this Wednesday, December 6th. Worship and prayer is 630 to 730. This is once a month. It's the first Wednesday of the month. We do this because we create a space and an opportunity for you to come, um, and just step out of everyday life and worship and pray. It's not very crowded, unfortunately, but you can just walk around. There's no preaching. There's just atmosphere. There's just the welcoming of the Holy Spirit. It's just um, an opportunity that we create for you. And I um, I highly recommend that you take advantage of it, especially in December um, where it gets really busy. Pastor Jason, you can come on up. I'm going to tell you this. Pastor Jason and I were invited to do a couple, um, what, two-minute clips for WCTL, uh, different pastors in the area, you know, just like a little two-minute devotional type thing about peace we got peace and joy. So it was on one of the days, Friday, was it Friday? We are recording our message about peace, and it's harder than you think. To write out a little devotional, to keep it between one and two minutes, and to voice record it, and to do it well without getting all, it's just hard. And so we're on like our 18th try, we're running out of time, He's got to get home to pick up the teenager to take her to a driving lesson, and he hates being late. And so I'm like, let's just try one more time. So we do it one more time. It's about peace. It's about slowing down, seeking God, doing what he says. You know, you guys, if you go here, you know our message, right? And it's this whole thing about peace. We're like, okay, done, go. I was trying to follow him in a different car. I couldn't even keep up. He was driving so fast. I called him on the phone. I was like, dude, if you pick her up like this, you are going to stress her out for her driving lesson. He's like, oh, I'm glad we just recorded a message on peace, and this is how it's going. It was hilarious. It was, it was hilarious. So there you go. I mean, that's, that's the story for the week about peace. We can have peace this holiday season. But if you come to worship and prayer and you take that step out of the everyday, it helps okay. to connect into that peace. Wow.
1: Wow, those are probably the best announcements I've ever heard in my life. I don't even know what to say. Um, although you did pray for me while we were in the car, while I was driving quite quickly through Fairview, um, and I did, I felt more at peace after you prayed, so there you go. Babe, thank you for that. Okay, uh, so quick, I want to uh, do tithes and offerings. I want to get Pastor Andy up here, uh, so I want to do this fairly quickly. I will say, those who are here last week who saw all of our AV challenges and who have lived with us through multiple times of the computers crashing during service and right before service, we have been able to be blessed, and we bought two brand-new computers for the AV booth I say that now, not at the beginning of the service, because so far they're working very well. Uh, and so we're very excited that that has happened. And then just to note, uh, those families, or even individually, if you do anything for Advent, which is starts on the fourth Sunday before Christmas, that's actually today. Normally it starts the Sunday after Thanksgiving, but this year is a little different, because Christmas is on a Monday. Uh, Advent starts today. And so I would just encourage you and your families... Uh, you can do a quick Google search on an Advent devotional. We don't have any available uh, at the moment, but uh, there's some just different th- fun things you can do as a family just to remember Jesus in this season. Amen? Amen. Second uh, Corinthians 9, verse 13, for our offering scripture today, says this, While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and your liberal sharing with them, and all men. And this scripture is sort of at the end of this passage. It talks about sowing and reaping and God blessing, and He being the one who does the blessing, and He being the one who provides the seed to the sower. And it's interesting through all of this, this is the proof of the ministry that they saw this law of sowing and reaping. It was real and it worked. And I hope you guys know that and we believe as a church in tithing and believing in this this principle, which is biblical, and God's word never fails of sowing and reaping. And the Bible, Bible really relates to a seed will meet every need. And so we don't give to get, but we give to bless. And in the meantime, the Lord comes back and blesses us abundantly. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this. Advent season that's beginning, Lord, and that we would truly be able to walk in peace and joy and um, all the things that you provide for us throughout a busy time in our lives. And so, Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Andy.
2: Hello, hello. All right. technology is working okay Uh, before we get started um, I just want to take a moment and encourage people who here who may have lost a loved one over this year over the last few years Uh, this morning uh, my mom passed away in um, January 9th 2021 and uh, you know come to the holidays and I always just still miss her and uh, had a good cry session this morning. It made my head feel a little foggy. How many have ever cried so hard, and then like, yeah, you your nose starts running, and your brain starts feeling weird? Yeah, so that's kind of what I feel like right now. Um, but if you've lost a loved one, um, I just want to read you a couple verses here. It says in Psalm thirty four eighteen, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He heals in uh, Psalm one forty seven three. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds so if you're feeling sad you're missing this person you're feeling brokenhearted know that the lord is near to you that he loves you that he will take care of you that he has them if they they knew jesus that he he is with you through every single moment and you can rely on him and don't be afraid to also cry if you need to Mm -hmm. so but the lord is near All right, so today we are going to continue with the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I'm excited for this message. Uh, We're going to talk about Matthew 5, 38 through 42, which we will read in a second. Um, This series for me has... uh, At the beginning of this year, the Lord told me, you know, the word prepare. And I feel like he's always working on us to prepare us for things that are coming in our lives uh, personally and to the world. And I feel like this message right now is one of those messages. uh, This series is one of those messages where we're going back to the foundation of uh, Jesus's most powerful sermon that that he gives in the scriptures, the Sermon on the Mount. And this is an opportunity for us to just really... uh, uh, settle into the foundation of Christ, into his teaching, into what he, how he wants us to live on this earth right now, and to prepare us for things that are coming, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But today we are going to talk about Matthew 5, 38 through 42, and uh, turning the other cheek. How many like that passage? Yes. Okay, so okay, let's read it. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version, then I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version, and then we'll get going. So Matthew five thirty eight through 42, it says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Okay, amplified version. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, punishment that fits the offense. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person who insults you or violates your rights. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other toward him also. Simply ignore insignificant insults or trivial losses and do not bother to re- retaliate, maintain your dignity, your self-respect, your poise. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, your shirt, let, uh, let him have your coat also, for the Lord repays the offender. And whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. All right, so how many of you have ever performed the eye for an eye tooth for a tooth in your life in some way how many of you have enjoyed it (laughs) okay a little bit uh there's a time that you know there was a time that I didn't enjoy it uh most times um when I lived in New Jersey I was uh driving I always have driving stories it seems like that's I think we all do who has a driving story anybody yeah I'm driving home late, probably around like midnight, from some friends' houses, from a friend's house that we were just hanging out. And I'm tired, and I want to get home. And sure enough, you know, at midnight there shouldn't be anybody on anybody on the road, but there was. And I pull onto this main road, and I'm behind a guy, and we're coming up to another guy on the left. So I'm in the right lane. He's in the left. There's another guy in the left lane. Uh, He's um, the guy in the right lane's going pretty good speed. So I'm like following him. All of a sudden, he decides to slow down a little bit. So that way they're like, even with, he's even with the other car. I'm like, oh man. So I get into the left lane and he, the guy slows down enough that he's going slower than the guy in the left lane. So I get in the left lane so I can pass the guy in the right lane. Well, then he speeds up. So that way I can't pass him. And he does this multiple times. And I get really mad. <laughs> really mad. And um, I get in the right lane and I just get on his bumper. And I am honking my horn and flashing my lights. He starts speeding up. The guy in the left lane's gone, and I'm just flying. Just like, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna show, I'm gonna give him back what he's given to me, right? And I'm just going, I'm so angry. And all of a sudden, I look in my rearview mirror and who knows what's back there, cop car, the lights, and I'm like, no way, I'm like, he's going to pull the guy over in front of me, you know, because he's going faster than me, I'm trying to keep up with him, no, he pulls me over, and he gives me a ticket, thank the Lord, it was only for tailgating, and not for, we were doing well over the speed limit, I could have lost my license that night, I'm sure of it, Um, but it didn't pay off. The the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, it cost me everything, like my joy, my peace, and my money, and it was awful. And so that's one of my eye for an eye, tooth for tooth stories that I'm not proud of. I shouldn't be proud of any of them, but uh, that one just really, that one really hurts, and I always remember that one. Um, But when I, when it comes to this passage of scripture, I believe most of us, when we read it, we kind of wince at it right? It's uh, something that costs us when we read it. Um, and it doesn't feel good in the moment when you think about turning the other cheek. Um, it doesn't feel good to get insulted. It doesn't feel good to be slapped or taken advantage of. And it's hard to respond with love, right? We've all been there. We also wince at it because um, there has to be a line, right? Like, there has to be a line that's not supposed to be crossed and a point where enough is enough And surely we aren't called to just let people do whatever they please to us, right? So I remember watching a kid, or watching a show as a young man, and it was like a faith-based kids show, and, you know, the kid's getting bullied, and the the bully punches him in the face, and um, he falls down, and then he gets back up, and he stands up to the bully and turns the other cheek, and as a kid, I'm like, that's stupid, like, why? Why? That doesn't make sense. And, and so there has to be a line. Um, because we're all hardwired for justice, right? We all want justice. I mean, that's why the social justice movement is so enormous in the world, and, and it's also so confusing. But we all want justice because we were created to want it. We were created in the image of God. God is love, and because he is love, he is just, and he also wants justice and so we want it as well and um so the question is like when is it right to seek justice are we allowed to have boundaries um is there are there lines that shouldn't be crossed and I found that this passage of scripture can be pretty confusing at times when you read it and misinterpreted easily if we aren't diligent to dig into it so today, that's what we're going to kind of do, is dig into the, to this, this passage of Scripture. And we're going to answer some questions. Um, what is Jesus not saying? I'm going to answer that question first. Uh, what is Jesus saying? Um, how do we live a life of radical love over revenge and spite? And lastly, I'm going to talk about why this is so important and give you a little personal situation or story that's happening in my heart regarding um, this very topic. So, um, what is Jesus not saying in these verses? He's not saying that you're supposed to be a doormat. Okay? He's not calling us as Christians to be doormats, as followers of Jesus. He's not calling us to remove boundaries in our life, that we should let people abuse us, hurt us, uh, violently hurt us. Um, the slap-in-the-face picture in this passage, often gets misinterpreted. Um, You know, the slap in the face isn't an egregious, violent act. It's a slap in the face, meaning more so a verbal insult that feels like a slap in the face. Um, How many of you guys, talking to the men, how many of you would much rather get punched in the face by somebody than slapped by another guy? (laughs) Anybody? There's just something about a slap that just is degrading right? And, and that's what Jesus is talking about. Those deep insults that feel like just very degrading and, um, and, 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 and make you feel awful. But he's not saying that you can't defend yourself and others. Um, he's not saying that justice doesn't need to be served. He's not saying that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is a wrong consequence for sin. Um, This is not a call to remove justice and let evil run rampant. So like if you're getting abused, if you're in an awful situation and getting actually hurt violently, you need to get out of that situation. You need to find help. You need to call the cops. You need to do whatever it takes to get away from that situation and get help. But in Scripture, there are plenty of examples in Scripture of saints walking in love and not letting evil just have its way with them. So I'm still answering the question, what is Jesus not saying? right? So, Paul used the Roman citizenship that he had to get out of being whipped. So, I'm going to go through some examples of Christians that walked in love, but they didn't just let evil just destroy them, right? Uh, In Romans 22, I'm not going to read it, but Paul was uh, arguing with the Sadducees and the Pharisees over the resurrection, and they're ready to kill, like, pull them to pieces, and the centurion guard comes in. They, They grab him. They think he's actually some type of rebel, and they're going to whip him and beat him. And he's like, whoa, 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 I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do that. And they're like, you're a Roman citizen? And so he, Paul used his citizenship to get out of. He didn't just let somebody beat him. You know, he got out of it. He figured out a way to get out of that. Jesus told his disciples and followers to flee to another town when they were persecuted. So in Matthew 10, 23, Jesus says, When they persecute you in, one, in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So he's telling them, don't just let them kill you. Get away. Get out of the situation. Jesus told his disciples that now that he was going to his father to now carry a sword. In Luke twenty-two thirty-five through 37, he says, When I sent you, out, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. Then he said to them, But now he who has money bag let him take it and likewise a knapsack and he who has no sword let him sell his garment and buy one for I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me and he was numbered with the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end so Jesus told his disciples carry a sword why would he tell them to do that to cut fish no they have fish and knives to do that right no it was it was to protect themselves it was to uh, act as a deterrent you know um, we are instructed to defend uh, the weak, the poor, and the fatherless and widows. In Psalm sixty-eight five, says, a father, God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. In Isaiah 117, it says, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. So we're instructed to defend the weak, the lowly, those that need help, not to just let people get walked all over. Um, God instituted governing authorities for a reason, right? He gave us police and military and governments and judges for a reason. Romans thirteen one through 4, Paul says, "...let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves." For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So God instituted uh, governments for a reason. Uh, Police, military, all these things for our protection. Um, and, and listen to the actual law of the eye for an eye that Jesus is talking of um, you can find it in Exodus 21 you can find it in Leviticus 24 but I'm going to read it from Deuteronomy 19:15 through 21 it says a single witness shall not appear in a trial against a man for any wrong or any sin which he has committed only on the testimony or evidence of two or three witness, witnesses shall a charge be confirmed If a malicious witness rises up against a man to falsely accuse him of wrongdoing, then both parties to the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in office at that time. The judges shall investigate thoroughly. And if the witness is a false witness and he has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him just as he had intended to do to his brother. So you shall remove the evil from among you. Those who remain will hear and be afraid and will never again do such an evil thing among you. You shall not show pity to the guilty one. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So God was instituting governmental justice because of evil. Consequences for sins to deter people from committing evil. He was establishing equitable justice. So the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth is not bad. It's a good thing. We need it in our, in, our, in our world. And God gave Israel the whole book of the law to guide them as a holy nation to protect them and to keep them from sin and letting evil run rampant. So in Romans seven twelve it says, therefore the law is holy and the command. this is Paul, therefore the law is holy, the commandment is holy and just and good. So if Jesus wasn't saying that the law was bad to be done away with and that boundaries and justice are still good, What was he saying? Right? And so to understand what Jesus is saying, we actually have to go back to the eye for an eye that we just read about a moment ago here. And we have to look at how God gave the law. When God gave the law to Moses, the ways and guidelines on how to live our daily lives in a godly manner, you can see it was given in three ways. So if you go back and read like Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, these these books you'll see that the law was divided into three sections. The moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law. Now, it's not actually segmented like that, but as you read through it, this is what you will gather. So the moral law is a law which reflects God's character and his design in the world. What is good and evil? Examples of this law, of these laws would include commands regarding uh, murder, murder. Um, children honoring their mothers and fathers, adultery, you know, the Ten Commandments, okay? Uh, Then there's the ceremonial law, which was laws that, uh, the way that God wanted Israel to worship him, and these applied to Israel in the temple, and so uh, there's a whole section, there's a lot of those, and then the civil law, and the civil law was kind of what we read with, was actually what we just read with the Eye for an eye, but all nations must have civil laws to help deal with disputes between their citizens as well as to enforce the morals of the people. And so we see three different uh, segments of the law. The law for an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth was given as a civil law. Okay? It was given as a governmental law for people. However, the people of Israel took the law out of context and they made it personal. They became their own judges and abandoned the law of mercy and the law of love that God also gave them. So Jesus had to address this. God wanted his people to not be like the rest of the world, but like him. He wanted them to love first. You know, God is love, and because he is love, he is also just. But his justice follows his love, right? We need to love first. Um, God's justice always follows the fact that God is love. Um, listen to Leviticus 9. I have a lot of scripture, so hope you don't mind. But scripture is the way I go, yeah. So Leviticus 19, 11 through 18. It's, I, I love when, I, when you go back to the Old Testament and you read this stuff because you're going to start to hear in this, this, this section of scripture uh, what we're reading now in the Sermon on the Mount. Like Jesus, you know, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of Christians in my life say, you know what, I don't really go to the Old Testament anymore. I just live in the New Testament. And that's, that's well and good. But Jesus preached the Old Testament. He preached what he gave to the people. There's so much information and so much uh, help that we need. And there's so much prophecy in the Old Testament that if we abandon it, and only live in the New Testament, we miss out on tons of stuff. We lose clarity on the scripture of what Jesus is actually talking about. And so we need to live in the New Testament, but we also need to live in the Old Testament. You need to read the Old Testament. You will understand the New Testament way better when you read the Old Testament. And so Leviticus 19, 11 through 18 says, you shall not steal nor deal deceptively, nor lie to one another, you shall not swear an oath falsely didn 't we just talk about that uh, by my name, so as to prof- as to profane the name of the of your God, I am the Lord, you shall not oppress or exploit your neighbor, nor rob him. you shall not withhold the wages of a hired man overnight until morning. you shall not curse a deaf man, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. you shall not fear i 'm sorry but i 'm sorry uh, but you shall. Fear your God with profound reverence. I am the Lord. You shall not do injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor show a preference for the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go around as a gossip gossip among your people and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor with slander or, or false testimony. I am the Lord. Now listen to this in verse 17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart you may most certainly rebuke your neighbor. How many have offered a rebuke? <laughs> but you shall, but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take revenge nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor, your acquaintance, your associate, your companion, as yourself, I am the Lord. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? To love your neighbor. Where did he get that from? from what he had already said in Leviticus. When we take personal revenge against someone, we incur sin because of them. We've become just like them. I became like the guy I was driving behind. I became him. When I start to hate, when I respond to someone who has just hated me with the same type of hatred back towards them, I have killed them in my heart. I have become a murderer. And I don't want to be a murderer. Right? This is sin. And the important thing to remember in that passage we just read read is the word revenge. Jesus never said we can't defend ourselves if harm is coming to us. He didn't say not to have boundaries as we just talked about. He said to not take revenge and to love. Self-defense is not revenge. It is protecting yourself and getting out of the situation. Revenge is enacting vengeance with with hatred. It is the desire to inflict and harm one another. Whether they deserve it or not, a person acting in revenge is not functioning from love. This is not God's heart. So Jesus was saying to choose love and mercy over revenge. That's what Jesus was talking about in this passage. To be like our Heavenly Father... To choose love first. To choose mercy. Our God is a God of love and mercy. who is slow to anger. How many remember the story of Jonah? You know, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to warn the people of Nineveh that they were going to be destroyed by God because of their sin. And Nineveh was Israel's enemy. Okay? And Noah didn't... Or, uh, Noah... Jonah didn't want to go. He wanted an eye for an eye. He wanted them to be destroyed. And we know it because in Jonah 4 2, he says, So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. That's the type of God that we have. That's the type of God who we're supposed to be like. So Jesus had to make things very clear for Israel when he was preaching to them this passage. Because the things got so out of hand that they were using an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth over petty issues. So if someone slaps you on the right cheek, meaning insults you, like we, like we talked about, in some way, whether with words or even with a degrading slap, how many remember the Will Smith, Chris Rock issue? <laughs> it's a degrading slap, right? I mean, they started verbally fighting, you know, on the, in the audience, and then he gets up and he does that famous, like, slap. And wow, right? That's a degrading slap. Okay. Um, Jesus is telling us don't respond back with the same evil don't insult them back just let it go show mercy and walk away if someone sues you for your tunic your clothing, your shirt then give them your jacket think about how petty it is that someone was suing somebody for their clothes how many many watch like Judge Judy I, I really hate that show But like, some of that stuff is so petty. I'm suing this person for two hundred fifty dollars. It's like, give me a break, right? Jesus is saying, do not worry about it. Show them mercy and give them your jacket too. Show them love. Uh, You might talk about next week, Pastor Jason. But you know, loving your enemy is like heaping hot coals on their head. Jesus said, like, if you want to get back at them, love them. Because they're like, wait, what? You know, Don't act petty and foolish. If a centurion commands you to carry his things for a mile. So when Jesus is saying, if someone compels you to walk a mile, go with them too. This was a situation where Roman centurions were able to just walk up to a person and say, hey, you're going to carry my things for a mile. And Jesus is saying, rather than complain and worry about it, just walk it and go two miles. Love them you know if someone is asking you repeatedly for something that you are able to provide and wants to borrow from you and it's in your capacity to do it then do it generously this doesn't mean to let people continuously take advantage of you this doesn't it, it means you can still have boundaries and guidelines for borrowing so if someone wants to borrow something very valuable from you you don't have to give them your most valuable possessions like if, some, if you bought a new tractor and your neighbor comes over and is like, hey, can I use your new tractor to mow my lawn? You can say no.
1: <laughs>
2: but <laughs> to be generous, you could say, how about I mow it for you today? You know? How about I help you fix your tractor so that way you can mow your lawn? Okay? <clears throat> the point is to live generous, lovingly, and with mercy towards all people, including your enemies. So how do you actually prepare how do we actually prepare ourselves to live a life of love and mercy overtaking revenge? <clears throat> because honestly, we laugh, but sometimes the petty things are what bother us the most. Petty things do have a way of getting to you. In my last job, man, there was this guy, this older gentleman who was just stuck in that like cycle of, I'm just living for retirement, life sucks you know, work stinks, and I'm going to be mean to everybody, and he'd just come around and make some stupid comment, and I would, it would make me so mad, and I'm like, wait, why am I getting angry over this guy? This guy is obviously not healthy inside, in every single aspect of his life. Um, I can't let little things get to me, but they do, they get to us. So, how do we actually do this? We need to remember some things. I'm going to talk about four things quickly. First one, we need to remember that the only difference between us and our enemy is Jesus. Okay, So these things are just, there's a whole list of things on how to love, you know, in scripture, ways to prepare our hearts, and, and uh, we're going to talk more about it next week, I'm sure, how to love our enemies. But we really need to remember this one. Um, this is easy to, easy to forget. Um, and not want to think about. But before Jesus, we were our enemy, right? We were enemies of God. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death. We deserve death. We were enemies of God. And Jesus came and loved us while we were his enemies. Every one of us is capable. This is an important statement. Every one of us is capable of the most evil of sins. We don't like to think that, Um, but to think that we are not is prideful, and pride goes before the fall, Proverbs 16, 18. Think about Peter the apostle. Jesus said, you know, on this night, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, I don't think so. I'm the apostle Peter. I've been following you for three and a half years. I've seen you do all your miracles. I believe in you, and then he's going to die. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified and taken captive, and what does Peter do? He denies Jesus three times in a moment of weakness. It's it's very simple. So we must maintain a humble spirit when we encounter those who who would hate us and treat us with contempt because we were sinners too. And if we aren't careful, we can fall back into that sin. Remember, remembering who we are, who we were without Christ will soften our hearts to love those around us and who treat us with contempt. Next thing, we need to remember that vengeance is the Lord's alone, not ours. Exodus 32 35 says, Vengeance is mine, and recompense. Their, Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. Romans 12 19, Paul says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. When we don't respond to someone who is treating us with contempt, we are giving place for the Lord to defend us. We are giving place for the Lord to protect us. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we are hardwired for justice. And, um, you know, we want it now, right? We want everything now, including justice. And this is a big thing because... because we want justice, when we don't see justice happening, we can get afraid. And so we want to take matters into our own hands. But vengeance is not ours to take. And um, we just really need to hold on to that. I, this, this is an important one. Vengeance is the Lord. Because listen, as the days get darker, people are going to want to hate us more as followers of Jesus. Uh, we see it in happening with Israel, right, and all the anti-Semitism um, there's going to be opportunity for us to want to take vengeance. And so we need to not do that. We need to rely on the fact that Jesus is the only one that has the authority to, to, do, to avenge us. Luke 12, 5 says that we should fear him because uh, it says, I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say fear him. We need to let the Lord, the Lord is the one who has all authority and power. We need to rely on him. And we must take comfort in knowing that at the right time, God is going to bring about vengeance. I take comfort in that. When I see all the evil in the world, all the things that I really can't do anything about, all the things that are happening that we don't see, you know, God sees everything. He sees every single thing, every child that's being abducted, you know, he sees everything that's done in secret. He knows all the things that the governments are trying to do in secret. Everything. Nothing is hidden from him. And I take comfort in knowing that our God is just. And that he's going to avenge us. In Deuteronomy 32, that whole chapter is the Song of Moses. And that whole chapter is prophetic. It speaks of the return of Jesus and how he's going to deliver Israel and all of his saints, and set up his kingdom on the earth. Um, So if you're wondering, you know, you can go all the way back to Enoch. You see prophecy about the Lord returning and avenging us. But I take comfort in this passage. Listen to what it says. It sounds, well, just listen. It says, now I see that, so the Lord is speaking. Even I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I wet my sword, <clears throat> if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the army. Rejoice, O Gentiles, that's you and me. With his people, that's Israel. For he, will save, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. We need to take comfort in knowing that there is a day of the Lord coming when all evil will be put away. And if we can hold on to that, it helps us to not take uh, enmity against our, our neighbor. Also check out Psalm 37. I'm not going to read that. But that whole thing is about do not fret when you see evil happening. Trust the Lord that he's going to avenge you. Number three, remember that we are ambassadors of Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 18-21 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are on this earth to represent Jesus. We are his ambassadors. This world is not our kingdom right now. Our kingdom is heaven. We are his servants on this earth, operating as his ambassadors to show the love of Jesus to people who are dying, who are lost, who are broken, who are going to hell. Jesus said in John 13:35, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We may be the only example of Jesus Christ that someone ever encounters. We need to think about that. Revenge, retaliation, and unforgiveness have never led anyone to Christ. Say that again. Revenge, retaliation, and unforgiveness have never led anyone to Christ. So it is love and mercy that softens and prepares a person's heart to receive the truth of Jesus Christ. So when you do get insulted and someone is hurting you and you respond with love to them, they may respond back to you again with evil. But your love is a seed that is planted. And at just the right moment, God can water that seed through somebody else and they'll think, oh, I remember that guy. I spit in his face and he didn't do anything back to me. And he said, Jesus loves you. You know, it softens people's hearts. It prepares the ground for them to receive Jesus. And so we need to operate as ambassadors for Christ. That way we do not run in vain. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27, Paul says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself shall become disqualified. When we operate in a way of retaliation and revenge, we are risking disqualification. Fourth thing we need to remember is the reward. I don't have this on the screen, but take a read through Revelation 2 through 3. When you remember the reward for enduring hardship as a follower of Jesus, it strengthens us to love and show mercy. I'm going to read he he spoke to seven churches, to the seven churches in this passage of Revelation. I just want to read the things that are our rewards, okay? They're not on the screen, but it's in Revelation 2 and 3. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This is the tree of life that Adam and Eve experienced. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on that stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. God's going to give you a name that only you and him know. I love that. I love names. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. As I have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. For those of us who overcome and walk like Jesus and remember this reward, you know, he's gonna, we're going to rule and reign with him in the new kingdom. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Did you know every person's name in the whole world was written in the book of life. But because we as people choose to turn away from God, the names get blotted out. He will not blot our name out. He says, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God. So it looks like we're all going to have tattoos, guys. And the name of the city of my God. So you're going to get two tattoos. The new Jerusalem. Which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Oh, that's three tattoos. Okay, okay. To him who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Also, as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Think about that. There is going to come a time when Jesus returns. He you know, will sit with him on his throne, what kind of honor is he bestowing upon us that we do not deserve? This is powerful stuff. Okay, so why is this so important? I mentioned a little bit the Israel Hamas situation, um, and I've been I jumped on to you know it's hard to find the right like news that's actually accurate. So I hopped on to X, which was. Formerly Twitter, and there's a number of different people I follow that actually live in Israel, that are accustomed with everything going on in the Middle East, and I try to get my news from them. Well, there's this one uh, commentary on there where this <clears throat> this profile, they would always post their the pictures of the terrorists that were being killed. And <clears throat> I started to, like, you know, you have your heart the thing, it's like, oh, heart heart you know because you're you're liking the post is what you're doing but i started to find myself excited like oh my enemy is being killed and the lord had to get a hold of me because that is not okay it's not okay to rejoice in the death of the wicked Ezekiel 33,11 says, God says, uh, say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? The Lord does not delight in the death of the wicked. And I found myself as I was watching, delighting in the death of the wicked. There's a fine line. Of We want justice on this earth. But I, none of us should rejoice over our, our enemy. It's okay to want justice. I mean, the Bible says when, when the wicked king is removed, the righteous rejoice. And we will rejoice when evil is removed. But we need to really check our hearts. In this day, right now, as things get worse, as we get closer to Jesus, and the opportunity to hate becomes greater and greater, we need to make sure our hearts are steadfast on the love and mercy of Jesus and that we are loving our neighbor and not rejoicing in their death because when I saw the pictures of some of these guys and they were smiling and I looked at them I was like you know what they have a great smile and they're never going to smile again they're going to suffer for the rest of eternity and that is a terrible thought so let us love our neighbor let us not respond with retaliation Amen. So let's just close our eyes and Um, I guess, uh, Sydney, if you want to hop back up here quick, just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit right now what are you speaking to me? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me in this message? What are you speaking to me? Are we walking in love towards our neighbor? Is there a situation right now in your life that you need to surrender to the Lord? To release and forgive someone? To get rid of a grudge? To Stop responding to with anger and in a similar way that they've responded to you. Just let the Lord speak to you. Father, we just come before you and offer ourselves to you. Speak to our hearts, Lord. May we always remember your love and faithfulness to us, that you have never left us, that you have never forsaken us, that you loved us while we were still your enemies, and that you did not desire to show your vengeance upon us, but you sent Jesus so that way we could have eternal life and know you, Father. Lord, cleanse us of our sins of not walking in love in any way, for retaliating, for wanting revenge and taking it at any moment. Father, forgive us. Lord, and do a work in all of our hearts to prepare us for the everyday situations we face and for the days ahead that are coming to this world, that we would be light in a dark place, that our joy and our peace would be completely centered on you, that we would be able to love when it is very hard, that we would be able to care when it is very hard, that we'd be able to walk away when someone is accusing us and defaming us and trying to harm us, oh God. Help us to love and be generous, to be kind, to be your ambassadors, Lord, that we would not be disqualified in any way as we run our, way, run our race with you and follow you, Jesus. While your eyes are closed, I just also want to encourage all of us that the Lord has placed us on this earth for this day and this hour for a reason. And we can do this as brothers and sisters in Christ. We can love in a powerful way and show people the love of Jesus, we can be his ambassadors. We can walk just like him. So just take a moment and just tell the Lord, I want to walk like you. I want to shine for you. I want to be your ambassador. I do not want to run and be disqualified. Praise you, Jesus. Last thing I want to do today is if you have never begun a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says the wages of sin is death and all of us are sinners. All of us deserve death. But as we talked about through this message, Jesus came to die for our sins so we would not have to die but could have eternal life and become, his, become the Father's children and become family with the God of all creation and he wants you and if you've never turned to Jesus if you would like to turn to Jesus today just raise your hand or you can come up and see me um, and those of us up here for prayer and we will lead you into that relationship with Jesus but know this that God loves you that he cares for you that he wants you he did not call you to be living in shame as we talked about earlier, but in life and in peace and in your true identity as a son and daughter of God. And he loves you. He just so much loves you. So. All right, Father, we praise you and we thank you for this word. We thank you for just speaking to our hearts. Lord, let this uh, penetrate our hearts and minds this week. May we be thinking about this. Lord God, and walking in love as your ambassadors, Lord, and also remembering the reward that you have for us, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. A little later than normal, but have an awesome day. We'll see you next week.